In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Hey there, welcome into In the Lab. That's John, I'm Drew. John was waving. I'm the guy here chit-chatting, but <laughs> uh, it's great to be with you. We thank you for joining us. John, on the way down here, I passed through the dudes. These are back for off-season conditioning. They've got big medicine balls. They're slamming them against walls. I guess that's core work. Yep. They're working with the strength and conditioning staff. We heard earlier from D'Amico Ryans, but it's fun, man. It's it's fun chit-chatting and seeing guys throughout the building through the course of this morning. A moment ago, I wasn't talking with guys because they're working, but you know, I saw Jonathan Grenard earlier today. Saw some of the coaches. Like I said, we heard from D'Amico Ryans. It's nice that they're back in the building. And really, we keep getting closer and closer and closer to the football season because really, once the draft happens, it's football time. There's there's a gap in between OTAs and training camp, but it is football once the draft happens because you see those guys right after they're picked. Well, okay. I guess you could probably say that the the football is happening now mm-hmm. because you've got the offseason, um, you know, kind of the 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 long spring break is over and yep. now you kind of finish up the end of the year and then you get your month break or six weeks or whatever it is. Uh, I've looked kind of at the offseason schedule. It's a, it's it's different. There's kind of this gap after the draft before they kind of get everybody together. I'm assuming there's probably a rookie minicamp in there. Maybe. I, I don't know. But either way, everybody back in the building or as D'Amico said in his press conference, the participation was high. And so you'd like to think everybody's there, but you never know. I mean, again, conditioning is voluntary and we have to say that every single year and everybody's like, what's this guy there? Is that guy there? It's voluntary. You'd like to think everybody was going to be here. You kind of keep that good, positive vibe going um, and keep them going. But there might be guys not here for any particular reason might be having a wife might be having a baby. There might be a family situation. Yeah. There might be anything going on. Who knows? But there are a lot of the guys here and they're getting work done and just hearing those medicine balls against the wall, because I'm based down in the studio all the time. So it's so quiet. And then when you hear those medicine balls, you're like, okay, all right. everybody's here. Well, yeah. I, you know, you'd like to think everybody's here, but and, and to the guys point, are here. To your point about attendance, as I was walking through, I wasn't checking off who was here, <laughs> but. I saw a lot of notable names. Yeah. I'm not going to mention them, but I saw a lot of notable names that were there grinding. Yep. Excuse me, sweating uh, and getting to work. So, yeah, for the most part, everybody is here. Yeah. There's, like you said, a face or two that's not, but that doesn't necessarily mean much. Yeah, it does, and people are going to make too much of it. People always make too much of it. And by people, I mean some media, some fans. Was this guy there? If- be here when it matters. As long as those guys and I, I remember when it when it comes to conditioning, my last year of coaching, I had a I was coaching at a private school. And so I had kids from all over the city. So I had this, I had this young man that was like an hour and 15 minutes away. And he was my best probably my best player, my second best player. And I knew he was going to work out. And I made it mandatory for the guys to come together. And I told him, look, I knew you got a long drive. That's a long haul. I trust you. If you come back in August and you haven't done the work. I will not hand you the football. He was my tailback. I said, if you're lazy and you're out of shape, I'm not handing you the football. I'm going to make you play outside linebacker and you're, you're, that's it. And he's like, oh, you know, coach, I'll do the work. And I mean, I was joking with him because I knew he was going to do the work. He came back. He was probably the most in shape player. And he appreciated the fact that I allowed him to do that. I said, when you can get in, it's great to see you. The players will love it, but they understood. And so I think it's, you know, in the NFL, there are a lot of different things that are going on, but you don't panic about it. 
I think everybody's got the good vibes going, and hopefully they'll continue with uh, D'Amico in charge. All right. D'Amico did speak. There were a few notable things that he mentioned as far as, you know, we're concerned. One of the things I've not heard coaches say around here, and really in general, and maybe I just haven't been listening, but D'Amico brought it up, and then I asked about it there at the very end of the press conference. He said every player has an individualized plan, which I knew, but I've never heard coaches focus on that and say that out loud this time of year about how, hey, uh, I want number 77 to do this, and we're going to work on specifically this and this and this for him. I knew the strength and conditioning staff always has that, but yeah. there's other things going into it, and it's just it's cool to hear Ryan's say that. Maybe I'm making too much of it, and it's April, and I'm just grasping at straws, but <laughs> I've never really heard a coach around here elaborate on that. Yeah, I, I think when you start thinking about the team, or the team does everything the right way, the team does everything the right way, and I do think there has to be a level of individual accomplishment that goes with the team getting to its ultimate goal. I mean, obviously individuals get better and they do it collectively, then the team ends up getting better. And so it's, it's not, I think, I don't want to say it's, it's the most earth shattering thing, Drew, but I do think it's super important Mm -hmm. because it's an understanding of not everybody's at the same baseline. And at some point in his press conference, D'Amico talked about you've got rookies, not yet, but you've got, you know, second year guys, you've got 10, 12 year vets, you know, you've guys that have been with three, four different teams. You have guys that have only been with the Texans. You have all different levels of accomplishment and athletic ability and um, anything that goes with playing this game. And so to think you're going to do the exact same thing for every single guy in this building, I think is sort of foolhardy. And I think attacking it individually with a collective goal in mind is absolutely what D'Amico is is going for and what the staff is going for, this organization is going for. And I think there is a mantra on the the business ops side, fearlessly evolving. Well, Mm -hmm. I think one of those things where you have to fearlessly evolve is to look at team situations different, to look at individuals differently than maybe you have in the past. And the, the, the irony is that I think one of the best ever at understanding what every single player needed was Bill Parcells and Parcells used that um, in so many different ways. You know, Lawrence Taylor was not treated like Phil Sims, who was not treated like the offensive line, who was not treated like the fourth um, like your punter, like your kicker, your specialty. Yeah, absolutely. They were all sort of, unique in their in their ways and and how they went about things and you know phil sims could take an absolute berating from bill parcells but he might not do that with a few of his other players um lawrence taylor you know needed that motivation he needed bill parcells to to poke and prod a little bit to get the most out of him and i I always think about that when i think about individualized in a team manner because I do think you have to have that not every single player in that particular roster um, has to be treated or should be treated the exact same way it's just that's that's not the way it is and to your point to then take what that individual does extremely well 
and take that to a different level and then try and find where are the rough spots and then make that better. So yeah. I think there's a, there's a bunch there and what D'Amico was talking about. And I'm glad, I'm glad to see it because to me, that is truly fearlessly evolving. Yeah. You know, D'Amico didn't put a timeline on it. Nick Casario has never put a timeline on it, never. but we heard nice things about John Mechie, the third wide receiver who was battling and has been battling a form of, uh, of leukemia, but He's part of the program, and they're going to take it day by day, D'Amico said. But the cool stuff Ryan's was talking about is, you know, he's newer to the team, obviously. He's only been here a few months, D'Amico. But he says everything he had heard about Mechie and seen about Mechie has married, those were his words, marries with what he's seen firsthand from Mechie now that he's been in the building and been around him. So cool to stuff. And he, and he went further and said, Mechie is a guy that we like, and we want more guys around this building like Mechie. So I'm not saying he's going to be out there and, and he's going to have 1,500 yards receiving, but looks like he's on a nice path to, to making an, an impact on this team. And that's the type of guy you need. You need more impact makers here in the building. Yeah, there's no question. And impact makers on the field and hopefully impact makers off the field. Yep. Uh, and John Mechie has always been that. I mean, even before – um, he was struck down with the ACL even before he was struck down with leukemia. Um, he's always been one of those guys. And it's so funny because as soon as he said that in my mind, I went Alabama guys. Uh-huh. And of course, last year they got both number eights from Alabama. Um, they ended up getting um, both John Mechie and Christian Harris. And we saw what Christian Harris is able to do about a little over half the season. And hopefully he's one to take that next level. But in, you know, of course, D'Amico having played at Alabama, didn't play for Nick Saban, but there's something about playing in that particular program. There's a gravitas there. There's an understanding um, of what you have to do to take your game and your team's game to a completely different level. And so, will they draft a player from Alabama? Of course, we know Bryce Young went to Alabama. We, we don't know that. But there are qualities that are taught at Alabama at other programs. Um, Clemson is obviously one that's had plenty of players come out of there. We've seen that. Um, now we're seeing it at uh, University of Georgia. Those kind of alpha, those dog qualities, but yet always willing to get better every single day. And it's one of the things that, you know, and what I try and do when I'm doing my draft stuff, it's one of those things that I try and look for. What what makes this guy different? Why is this guy different? It was very easy last year in studying John Mechie to find out why he was different, mm-hmm. what made him different. But we see him every day, even before the conditioning program started. I, I can't tell you the number of times I saw him out in the hallway doing the medicine ball tosses, doing things outside, doing his rehab, getting ready. Um, you know, for when he can be cleared. And that is going to be a tremendous day. I'm, I, I just, I'm, I'm bracing for that day because that's going to be a day when I need the Kleenex um, and I'm going to have to, you know, pat the eyes. Cause that's going to be a really, it's going to be a really incredible day. I remember when David Quesenberry got cleared yep. years ago and what that was like. And I can only imagine what it's now going to be with John Mechie. So i um, excited to see what, what Mechie can do, but the mentality that he brings, whether he plays one down or he plays a thousand downs, it's the mentality that ends up rubbing off. And you see that in Jalen Petrie. Um, I go back to, to Petrie after that game against the Colts in week 18. He had gone out at some point, and I think he was being evaluated for a concussion. But there's this long hallway as you go into the actual locker room that take you from kind of the corridor. And there's a long corridor 
that takes you into the locker room. And so I was kind of waiting there um, to get Coach Smith after the game. And so as I'm waiting, as I'm walking down the corridor, I could see somebody at the very end just kind of standing in a T-shirt and a towel, just hugging all the guys that are coming in, just really excited. And, you know, the the vibe that's, that's needed. And that was Jalen Petrie. And so you start kind of stacking one guy after the next that kind of all think that way or have those qualities for long, you've got something for sure. That's listen, you go back to the 11 and 12 teams. Think about those alphas. I mean, there were some dudes in that locker room and even some, you know, your buddy, Sean Cody, you know, he was a guy that, you know, didn't get a lot of acclaim for his play. He didn't play every single down. He wasn't the most instrumental player, but it was, it was the qualities that he had of being a teammate, of being a great teammate. Yeah. Um, and getting a lot out of his, his defensive line mates too. Yeah. You, okay. We know who Cody, most of us know who Cody is. He's hilarious. Yeah. Big personality, outgoing, a lot of fun. Take personality out of it because I've seen just on this team, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure this, this is NFL wide, but just on this team, no matter the personality, if you play interior defensive line, if you play nose tackle, <laughs> you are one of, if not the baddest men yep. in the Valley. Nobody messes with you on right. this team. Doesn't matter if it was Cody. Doesn't matter if it was big grease, Ryan Pickett, who was only for <laughs> a year. Vince yeah. Wilfork, throw him at yeah. Malik Collins. Now you have almost universal respect in the locker room. And we've seen a variety of players play there on the interior of the defensive line. They're doing the dirtiest of the dirty work yep. and bearing the brunt of the punishment. Yeah. When you play that spot, that position, you've got, uh, you've got the gravitas and you've got, you've got the stuff that people respect, people admire, and people are going to like leave you alone about. Yeah, there's no question. And of course, one of the guys that, um, that I, I you know you were just rattling off top of your head, but I think one of the guys that was so incredibly respected and he's still respected throughout the league. And that's DJ reader. Yeah. Yeah. You know, know, guys, yeah. guys like that, that had, um, you know, and, and reader was a guy that had dealt with adversity when he was back at Clemson, you know, his dad had passed away and he wasn't sure he wanted to play football and, uh, came back to the team at some point after his father had passed and, you know, it kind of clicked for him. Like, yeah, I do want to do this. I want to do this for my pops. I want to do this for my family. And he's turned into one of the great uh, interior players uh, in this DJ league, Reader. but it's the one thing that we're all, we're all searching for. Every single NFL team is searching for, they're searching for that guy, be it, be it reader, be it Cody, um, be it Mechie, be it Petrie, those guys that they walk in a room and it's, there's kind of this hushed tones of who, okay. Yeah. It's that guy. Um, and I think the Texans have had a few over the years that have, have fit in that category. Obviously the goat Andre Johnson, when he walked in a room is like, well, they're straight. I mean, it, there was this gravitas and, and so the gravitas does come with, you have to play extremely, extremely well. Um, you can't be a guy that has kind of those seemingly alpha qualities and then go out there and, and not do your job out on the field. Um, but if you do, then you got an opportunity you keep adding to. And I think that's one of the things that this team does need. I think it needs um, some, not say characters, but it needs more of those, those guys, the guys that can stand up in the middle of a huddle before a game and get in everybody's face and have everybody's attention. Yeah. Um, it's not just a, you know, let's go get them kind of thing. It is, we're all in this together, but you can follow me because I'll lead you there. And if you have more of those dudes, and I just remember Tyron Matthew being in the middle of those huddles, that dude was 5'8", 5'9", if he's lucky, 185 pounds. 
fearless in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I miss him. It was one year. I miss him. I see him when we, you know, travel and talk to him. That's what a guy like John Mechie has. That's what Jalen Petrie has. Um, and it's more guys like that, that can be added to this roster, man. That gets start. That starts to get exciting when you have a few guys that think like that. And, and I don't want to say act like that, that just naturally let that ooze out of them when they're in a football or a team situation. All right, let's end with this. True or false? Mm. With the Texans having the second, 12th, and 33rd overall picks, they'll ultimately pick... Wait, hold on. As of now. That's the caveat we have to add. They have the second, 12th, and 33rd overall picks. They will take the second, 12th, and 33rd overall picks. Oh, that's false. So they're going to move? I I think it, I don't think there's any way. I I love this. I love this game. By the way, I I did. I'm a, I'll hit you with mine. I gave this to Mark yesterday. Okay, but two twelve and thirty three. No, uh, in my mock draft, I actually had them. I had them at two seventeen thirty three forty nine because I moved down, picked up a mid second round pick, which I w- I would love to be able to do because I think twelve can be a really good spot because the positions the Texans you would think would be looking for. I think there's going to be a huge supply. So if you can have a demand that's moving up for maybe a different position that they're not eyeing, then maybe you can end up with uh, a particular additional pick, such as 49, like I came up with, with a trade uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I'll hit you with this one. This is a how would you feel Thursday night? Okay. So it's just 2-12. and Okay, in the first round. But you're driving home Thursday night after the first round of the draft. And you're looking at your phone or you're just recalling what happened. Actually, you're in Kansas City, but you get the point. You're going back to your hotel. And the Texans have selected Will Anderson Jr. at two and Hendon Hooker quarterback from Tennessee at 12. How is that ride back to the hotel with Suds and the guys? Uh, I'm going to trust... The decision makers. I'm always going to trust those guys. See, I, I could ask that question of Mark so because many more. He, Mark loves Hendon Hooker. So when I asked him about that, Mark was like stamping it like, yes, let's do it. I'll, I'm down for it. Let's go. Um, I just told him that we some somehow, some way would have to make those 10 picks. <laughs> there are nine picks, three through 11. The panic that would be happening, we would have to like, okay, relax. There's plenty of picks left. There's some things we can do. Um, and so I hit, I hit him with that. But if you, so I'll ask you this one then, Drew. What is the best two twelve reasonable combination that you would drive back to the hotel and go, man, slam dunk, baby, that was awesome. I'd love Bryce Young and Jackson Smith Jigba at that mm-hmm. point. I'd love Bryce Young and I really like Isaiah Foskey, the Notre yeah. Dame pass rusher at that point. I'd take Lucas Van Ness at 12. I'd take a combo of Stroud and Smith and Jigba. Mm. They know each other. Yeah. Stroud and a pass. I, I think it's, you got to get a stud pass rusher. You got to get a, uh, stud receiver in this draft and you got to get a quarterback. And I think you can, I think it's possible to accomplish all three of those things with two, 12 and 33 or some movement around like you, you brought up, but I think you got to get each of those three in, in the top 
in two rounds of the draft. Okay, you assessed my two. I went, let's go 217 and 33. So okay. this was my mock draft. So I moved down from 12 to 17. And you got Hyatt, right? At 33. All right. So that's what I'm going to hit you with. So you got these, Hyatt I want you to I want you to grade these three. Now, obviously, 33 will take place on Friday night, but once this pick is made, these are the three players the Texans have taken in the top 33. At number two, CJ Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. Number cool. 17, Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia and at 33, Jalen Hyatt. From out of Tennessee, the burner, Will Fuller, 2.0. Hopefully the hamstrings are not the same as Will's. How would you feel Will's about were good those? Notre Dame. How would you feel about those on Friday night? By the way, Friday night, will you be back here in Houston? Yeah, I get back okay. on Friday. So you're sitting in yeah. Houston and you're you're following things, and all of a sudden Jalen Hyatt gets stamped. So you saw CJ Stroud, Nolan Smith, and Jalen Hyatt. Those are your two 17, 12, whatever, and 33. How are you feeling about that? I'd like it. Uh Hyatt's speed and his deep threat ability has been played up and obviously trumpeted, and I like that. But you're not just a deep threat if you win the Bolitnikoff Award, which yeah. he just did. Yeah. So I I would be just fine with that. The Bolitnikoff goes to the nation's greatest receiver in college. I saw a guy out in Lubbock win it two years in a row, Michael Crabtree, and he turned out to be a what decade long player in the league. He was a really good player. I'd be just fine if you got Jalen Hyatt at 33. And if that's who the Texans like, Nolan Smith there at coming off the edge, I'm going to trust Amico. I think he knows what he's doing as far as constructing a defense and finding guys who fit. Yep. He brought up, I think, different body types yeah. flourishing in his defenses. Mm -hmm. That is a different – it's a real, really athletic one, and maybe it's a little different than what you're used to as far as an end. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to – it's like I said at the outset, I'm going to trust what the GM and the coach – think about things and how they evaluate talent because they're they've got their vision and they've they've done infinitely more homework on this than than i have so yeah i'd be cool with that i like hyatt though he's he's a very attractive option very attractive yeah it, it's funny i think there are a lot of options i think the, the one option i would stay at 12 i would probably stay at 12 to take uh, Smith and Jigba. he was my number one wide receiver back in may when i yeah. did this i had him number eight overall um, I've been a big fan uh, for a while. Going like through the Brian season Hartline, was tough. I like, what, I like what Brian Hartline was saying about him. Yeah, yeah Brian Hartline. There. He's Brian, good ones, man. Brian Hartline has put out some dudes at wide receiver. I'm, Very high on Smith. I'm a little, yeah. Um, it's funny because you kind of ride the wave. It, it, I, I've gone back and I've looked at my May Harris 100, and there are a couple of players that, uh, there are a few players that, okay, I needed to watch more. I needed to see more of. There are some players that I thought, higher of uh, than others. Smith and Jigbo was one of those guys that I really loved watching, loved watching him and loved studying him. And then he was out this year and I thought, mm. and so you get kind of caught up in, okay, well, Quentin Johnston was really good. Jordan Addison wasn't as great, but you know, he's in that mix. You know what? I got to go back to what I originally thought. And how many times do you go back to what you originally thought? Um, and, and Jackson Smith and Jigbo is one of those. I mean, he was number eight back in my, my May rankings. Um, and so that would be the guy I would stay. I would stay at 12 again with a trade down. You need a partner, but I would think at 12, you got an opportunity for some things to happen in front of you, especially with all those quarterbacks being taken to Texas, taking one of them that they're going to be some good players pushed down. I have, I would have a, an interesting two twelve, but I, I don't want to waste too much more time, but, but save it for Monday. Cause that's okay, I'll save it for I'm going to be texting you on Monday. Okay. Cause that's when the next, mock draft roundup comes up. Okay. I want to finish with this. Okay. You and I have been dorks with a few other thousand people mm -hmm. since November 
with the mock draft simulators. We've sure. used a few, but one that sort of has stood out in a way has been the uh, Pro Football Network one because they'll populate trades. They'll pop up trades yeah, 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 every yeah, so yeah. often. Yeah. And those trades have changed over the course of that time since November. One thing that I've noticed this week that's different with their trades, I don't know if you've been doing it lately, mm-hmm. but they've started offering players from teams in these trades. So it's typically been interesting. What I've seen lately since the Carolina trade up to one, what I've seen since then has been trade offers from the Cardinals at three, which I don't think they would do, but these just wild, like yeah, yeah, yeah. their first, their second, their third, and then a second, right. a third next year. And the Colts at four, which makes a little bit more sense. I still don't think the Texans would dance like that. Yeah. But they'll go up a one, a two, a one, and a one. Right. What I saw yesterday, which I have not seen prior, is an offer from the Colts where it's you swap two for four. Mm -hmm. They give you DeForest Buckner and a one next year. That's intriguing, but you you don't get the quarterback because – in the, the simulator I was in, Carolina took Stroud at one. So you figure the Colts are moving up to take Young. But then another one, when you make the pick, and then now you're picking at 12, another one that popped up was Jacksonville offering to swap ones, and they throw in their Jackson Josh. was at 24. Yeah, they throw in their Josh Allen, the, the pass rusher, mm-hmm. and then you know a pick or two else. It's interesting. They're starting to integrate players into these picks. That's that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's layering. The Rams offer there. Aaron Donald. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yep. Yeah, it's intriguing to put in those players. I mean, have you noticed that? Have you done? I, any- I've not done the PFM one in a little bit. So I've done the PFF one a couple of times. Um, I'm just trying to get my own, trying to get my own house in order to make sure the 27th right. I got all my stuff ready to go. Um, but it's the the players are interesting that one with the Colts it's it's hard to think of trading in the division but if I got a future first from the Colts and I get the force Buckner and if I move to four more than likely the Cardinals are going to have some movement so there's I think quarterbacks at a minimum are going one two three so now I'm sitting at four and so I have the opportunity to like get another to get a quarterback or at that point, but it, could I be the take, fourth, it could be the fourth quarterback. On take the board. fourth quarterback off the board, which is possible. And is the fourth quarterback on the board the 32nd, 35th, 39th, 7th guy on your board right. overall? Or do you take Will Anderson Jr. there? So you end up with yeah. the Forrest Buckner, Will Anderson Jr., and the Colts future first. And then you take Henning Hooker at 12. Bang. And you have lots of ammo for down the line. And they don't something to think about yes all right well john this has been fun can't wait to do it again in the lab thank you so much for listening